everybody, this is Chandler. And this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And you're listening to... X Reads the Podcast! We are so excited to be here for our 53rd episode with a very, very wow. special guest, Anthony Oliveira. Welcome, welcome, Anthony. Hello, hi, Anthony! Hi. Thank you for having me. I must admit, I have an entirely ulterior motive for being here. What's that? Um, I was listening to one of your previous episodes, and I discovered... One of you was the coffee shop boy on Passions. <laughs> so now that's all I want to talk about. So this is Passions chat. Uh, <laughs> I'm all here for it. I could, I could do a whole spinoff podcast on it, I swear. Tell me everything. What was Miguel like in person? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> he was wandering around set. So I didn't really- Shirtless? I was way too, no, not shirtless. I oh. But I, I, when I was getting my makeup done, I saw him out there talking to the other cast people and I was trying to play it cool. Like, that's Miguel. Don't say anything. Just do your hair. Just have them do your hair, you know? And I was very nervous, but uh, I got to say, everybody on set on Passions was super nice everybody like very oh, that's very nice to hear. that's good you they, can you you can actually friendly. have conversations with them like they're no they're awesome yeah so passions was an amazing experience and everybody on set was so fun and just outgoing and you can talk to any of them like i i loved it so audience if you <laughs> happen to go back in time to soap opera world and you see passions look for me in the background on many episodes Passions is like the perfect, like an X-Men fan would like passions, right? Like there's witches, there's magic powers, there's comas, there's resurrections. Like <laughs> Yeah, I also loved how they constantly had Buffy references. That's right, because it was right around the same time, wasn't it? Man, so you didn't meet Ethan shirtless. Was Tabitha nice? Um, I did not meet Tabitha or Timmy, unfortunately. That would have been amazing. Uh, RIP. I did share a dressing room with Spike, though. The villain. <laughs> Which one was Spike? Yeah, he was this like leather jacket dude that was oh. always after Teresa. But right. and it was always getting in the way of Teresa and Ethan. <laughs> Which Ethan were you there for? Because there were many Ethans, right? Oh my God. Hartley was one of them. I. There was an Ethan. I feel like that was in the on the Green Arrow, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. him. Oh, I was all about him. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. And then, and then he became like a nerd icon in the Smallville universe. That's right. That's right. Sorry, I completely hijacked your podcast. I, I oh my gosh! I know. I, this, is, this is now. Now we're passionate, you guys. We're not talking about the X Men anymore. We're talking about the Ethan and Teresa love triangle with Gwen. I was listening to your. Um, because the re you mentioned it in your wedding episode, the Cyclops and Jean wedding, and now I because I just listened to that, I have you two's one stuck in my head because like that was their wedding song, and I cry yeah. every time I hear. It. He's like it's Jean and Cyclops's wedding song. <laughs> 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 Terrible choice for a wedding song. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anthony, I want to talk about you. Oh, I want my favorite to know subject. all about you. Yeah, so we're here because <laughs> this is our Pride episode. We're in the you know we're in Pride month. And um, happy pride, everybody. Happy pride. Yeah. So, so we can really gay it up this episode. <laughs> this is a corporate allowed podcast episode. <laughs> You're allowed one. You're allowed one to be extra gay. Go for it. So, yeah, in order to be the most queer, of course, we got Anthony Oliveras. That's lad, yeah. award winning, you know, comic book writer, Emperor Hulkling. And then you've got your upcoming story in the Marvel Pride issue yeah. and all sorts of other stuff. And obviously just being a Twitter icon. 
Well, I mean, being famous on Twitter is not a positive experience. <laughs> it's like it's like telling someone you have like full blown leprosy. Like it's just like why would you why would you ever want that? But yes, I've done a bunch of queer uh, comics, um, a lot of them for Marvel, and it has been a real joy. There's the Pride story. I'm doing an Iceman story, which is why I picked the issue we're doing today. Um, and then I have some exciting stuff that might be coming up and announced soon that isn't quite yet, but. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> we love breaking news, so. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on when this drops, actually, we might already know, but um, yeah. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, and previously I wrote an op-ed piece for Reuters uh, called How the X-Men Bring LGBT Plus People Together. And that was a really good experience. I was able to kind of recollect all about this era of comics. So I'm so glad that you picked one from 95. Oh, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this era because it is a fascinating, I mean, we all came up in this time and it's like rereading this issue. It's like, oh God, suddenly we're recording this. I'm literally in my childhood bedroom and I'm having a real flashback to like a childhood, like reading this comic at this desk with my parents downstairs, just like they are right now. So this is a real weird nostalgia bomb happening to me right now. Wow, well, we're, we're super excited. Um, something that recently happened with us though, is that with the Hellfire Gala, which is in full swing in current yes. comic book pages, we were able to host a mock green carpet arrival, virtual kind of thing with a bunch of X-Men writers and celebrities and it was wild. It was so wild. I, I, I put together a backdrop and made it look like we were on Krakoa <laughs> and he had his virtual backdrop of the, the step and repeat for the Hellfire Gala. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a blast. We got to talk to Zeb Wells and Russell Dodderman and uh, Emma Dumont from The Gifted. That was so much fun. Oh, wow. Indeed. And Kari Walgren was there too. Yeah, Emma Frost, loved- the white queen herself for Wolverine and the X-Men. Yeah, we love Kari. She what did you pretty- wear? Oh, well, I wore this kind of, kind of similar, like a white uh, dress shirt and this cape. I had this blue cape with big gold buttons and red lining. Oh, I saw, and- that, I saw that picture. Yeah, that was gorgeous. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I resurrected this uh, really cool leathery uh, number that was kind of reminiscent of Mr. Sinister. Sure. You know, it was uh, it was very hot <laughs> to wear it, but I loved it. And it was designed by Perry Meek, who is an Emmy Award winning costume designer for RuPaul's Drag Race and is probably dressed every major uh, celebrity uh, pop star you could think of. Amazing. Yeah, we should have gave Perry a shout out. So yes, Samantha Ray did my cape. Uh, she's a Project Runway alum, but it, anyways, it was a great time. It was, it was so much fun. Everybody, if you want to watch it, go to the Nerdist <laughs> Instagram page. Yes. And you can also see clips of it on our social media pages at XReads Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. It is nice to see. I mean, one of the cool things about the Hellfire Gala as a concept in general is it's nice to see sort of queer aesthetics erupting into the X-Men properly now, like, because obviously it is such a, a queer text, even though it has been so rigorously <laughs> dominated by straight voices for so long. It's nice to see this like Krakoas allowing a space for this kind of thing. Like there are so many queer design fans and like a lot of us grew up on this era and it's nice to see, like that felt Hellfire Club Gala moment really felt like a blossoming of that to me from the distance with which I observed it. I did not receive an invite, but whatever. Uh, (laughs) 
yeah i agree i totally agree this this is for the queer fans for sure or just people that are generally you know on the lgbtqia plus spectrum because it 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 was not for your kind of average old school fan yeah like i'm trying to think of the best way to see like what i call them uh the whiny fanboys the ones right. that, that love to complain about anything that is a little off color of what they're used to and so well not for <laughs> that's that. sorry for us. thank you very much that has been i mean that is the uphill battle for a lot of queer representation um even like even the reason we're doing this issue right like when Iceman came out, there were a lot of people who were like, well, that that's out of nowhere. Like, that's such a, a harsh retcon. Where did that come from? And it's like, no, that's been in the text for decades if you knew how to read it. Uh, and to this, like, to this day, like, literally, if you look at any tweet about the, the pride issue that mentions Iceman, you will see someone in the responses being like, saying something garbagey about like, where, where did this come from? Like, you brainwashed Iceman. It's like, that how did you miss it for 30 years that that's what was happening in this book? So that there was are some major hints about it in this particular issue we're covering too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll, point, I'll point it out. There's some, <laughs> there's some rainbow flags, so to speak, or red flags that point out. <laughs> some yeah. Can't wait to call attention to it. So anyways, yeah, Hellfire Gala was amazing. I'm so excited it's happening. I'm excited that we're talking about this issue too. Uh, for those of you tuning in, we're doing X-Men Volume 2, uh, Issue 46. So this is Unadjectiveless X-Men Volume 2. Number 46. They, there's so many out there now. I feel like you have to be very descriptive. Yeah, there's a... Like the and this was the, the 90s boom. There's a one of the ads in this has a moment where it's like only 40,000 copies printed. And it's like, it tells you how much the industry has changed. That like, that's a limited run in the nineties. <laughs> if you were moving 40,000 units now, like you would be working for the rest of your life. But yeah, different era. We're having the two books simultaneously. And Iceman's presence in this one, I think is weird because he's not on the adjective list roster. He's on the gold team at this point, which is usually an uncanny, but yeah. Yeah, I think this is this is a bit of a hammock of time between some the fall of Avalon and right before Onslaught arrives. So I right. also I believe this is when because Scott Lobdell was the writer and he wasn't the writer it was Fabian. I think Fabian just left and Scott was filling in for Mark Wade until Mark got together. But anyways, yeah. So this issue, which is uh, published November of 1995, this is the era when I was in high school. And so I have lots of memories of 95. You were in high school in 1995? I guess I was, I was, no, 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 sorry. I was eighth grade in 95. I was going to say, whoa. <laughs> when I was a freshman in high school, sorry. I, when I was in my very impressionable era of time where I was obsessed with things, like whether it was music or comics or movies and video games, it was like the obsession. I was obsessed with X-Men in this era, like none other. Yeah, exactly. This was the moment where I was like, every week at the store had to read it. I, the, the quality varied, but <laughs> I think Onslaught is sort of infamous at this point, but I was, I couldn't imagine a story I was more excited about than the Onslaught teases we were getting around this time. It's also like right after Age of Apocalypse, like there's some, some, um, fallout from that in this issue too like bishop is not dealing well with the post-apocalypse stuff um yeah this was the golden age for me the cartoon is still on tv yeah. at this point yeah 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so we're going to set the era of what November of 95. Oh, God, like. here we go. So, yeah, I want to know what was the top film at the time, Chandler? The top box office of November was Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. Whoa. <laughs> so I have very vague memories of this sequel. And of course, it all has to do with the spears that land in his thighs. Oh, yes. And how about when he pops out of the rhinoceros, but yeah, he, gets he thinks that the yeah. rhinoceros gave birth to this weird human? <laughs> okay, I don't remember this. That's all I remember from this one. Yeah, I don't remember anything else about that movie, but I remember him being pooped out by a rhino. Yeah, and then he also went to the bathroom and his famous line was, oh, woo, don't go in there. All right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I do know that in today's era, people think that this movie is kind of like how Zach Morris is trash. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it did not hold up. Well. Oh, wow. Yeah, the Ace Ventura there's... stuff? No, in yeah. general, you would be, particularly it's anti-trans stuff is really intense in that first one. They are, you cannot rewatch them at this point. You should uh -huh. go to jail. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, but this I is, haven't. I haven't watched this them is since right before. after Batman Forever, right? Like he would have done Batman Forever 94, the summer of 94. So Ace Ventura must have been filmed right after that. And then the second one, and then... So it must have made, yeah, it would have made a lot of money because Jim Carrey is literally the most bankable actor in Hollywood at this point. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh, the top song, guys, are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> Embraced. It's Fantasy by Mariah Carey. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> is this a sweet, sweet yeah. fantasy, baby? Yeah. Do the whistle tones. Do the whistle tones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? I confession. I used to sing this song to myself in the shower. Oh, who like, didn't? Back in the day, all the time. Oh, and I, I used to be that. able to hit those notes. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. The whistle wow. tones, like the little. Oh, yeah. The chirping. Wow. I I used to be in a choir. <laughs> oh yeah, me As too. a high tenor. I would have been in a choir at this point, actually, the church choir in 1995, because I would have been 11 years old. Oh, boy. Yeah. Rough time. Did you also Rough. fantasy in choir? I did not have a particularly uh, wide vocal range, no. <laughs> so <laughs> I was definitely not singing any Mariah Carey at the at, uh, church choir, no. I did get chunky highlights, though. Oh, and when I, okay. yeah. And when I got them, my dad wouldn't let me go to church anymore until they grew out. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, well, well, audience, I, I was in a Mariah Carey music video once and I told a whole story about it on a previous episode of our podcast. So that's going to be a little Easter egg hunt for you. You're going to have to wow, you were around. really in all of the iconic moments of 90s queer fandom. You're just <laughs> between that and passions <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> uh, uh yes yeah so so audience definitely go around and hunt in our past episodes for that mariah carey i story. don't even remember which one it was <laughs> yeah i remember talking about the story so yeah yeah and he okay. actually sent me the music video so because i was like i've never heard of this song he's like he sent it to me and, I, and you know we were we were spy hunting for him in the crowd so it's a secondary hit if you hadn't even heard of the song, but it has a video. It does. <laughs> There's a helicopter yeah. involved. In a, lot, a lot of guest stars. Remember when music videos cost enough money you could have a helicopter in them? That was a different time too. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> now, now all helicopters are just green screens. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, or they don't yeah. fly. They're just like out of commission ones on the ground. Right. You can you can stand near a helicopter on the weekend. That's yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> the other things about uh, November of 95 is the film Goldeneye opened. And oh. While I wasn't a huge fan oh. of the movie, the video the game. The video game. Oh, uh, yes. Game. That shooter. Oh, that multiplayer <laughs> yes. mode. Oh, my God. That I was, was a beast with the proximity mines. Like, you did not want to play against me in the bunker with the proximity mines because I would fill every entrance and there was no way to approach. That was my, that was my <laughs> strategy. I love it. Yeah, we would play without weapons. So you could only basically slap each other. Do that. Whoa. It was an, amazing. I didn't we, know you could do that. Them. You could do it without weapons. And all you do is just kind of like slap. Hey Chandler, <laughs> can, can we like resurrect that somehow and play it in that mode? Oh, Cause I really sure. want to try it. Yes. <laughs> Were you in Donkey Kong mode with the giant heads? No. Oh, I remember that. I, I that was a detail you could do. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Well, who is your James Bond, Anthony? I was never a James Bond guy in general, but I uh like I I really like oh, what's his name? The the uh, Timothy Dalton is really I know that that's a controversial choice, but he is a neat. He has that kind of, what I like about the Timothy Dalton Bond is he has the kind of, he's kind of playing the sinister imperial menace of James Bond. Like he's kind of the most effete of them. And I think that's why he's the least popular. Um, but I like I can watch Timothy Dalton do anything and he's so beautiful, especially back then. Uh, so I, I like him, but that's like, no one, <laughs> no one takes anyone seriously who likes Timothy Dalton as a Bond. <laughs> But I love him. He's also really, he's he plays like the evil gay French king in The Lion in Winter. And if you've never seen that, mm. check that out. But <laughs> why, yeah. what about you guys? For me, I've I, I got to say Pierce Brosnan just because of Goldeneye. Because that was like my first real taste of James. Yeah. Bond. Yeah. I mean, he's the one I think of in my head. I don't have a lot. I don't get a lot from the new guy. What's his name? <laughs> Daniel Craig. Craig. Yeah, it doesn't oh, yeah, work. Daniel Craig, I would say, is my favorite of all of them. But the when I think of James Bond, I think of Roger Moore because that oh. his movies were the ones that I was seeing growing up that were like because my my dad loved James Bond. And granted, I saw the Sean Connery ones first because Doctor No is actually the first one I saw. But I but the Roger Moore ones are the ones that stood out to me because they were so crazy. Like just the movie. They're the goofy ones, right? This yeah, like. Who's who's Moonraker? That's that's Roger Moore. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so Chandler, I feel like 1985 was a big year. Was there anything else that came out? Uh, yeah, a film called Toy Story. Oh, I wow. know that one. <laughs> <laughs> this came out in November of 1985. Obviously, this would have been the top box office, but it came out the very end. So uh, Ace Ventura technically had the highest box office in November, but. Toy Story dominated all the way through December. It course. definitely deserves a mention. And then wow. if famously born, we have Kendall Jenner born in November of 1995. So welcome to the world, Kendall. <laughs> I don't know which one is she. <laughs> She's one of them. She's one of them. I don't I don't watch one the, of the brood. I don't watch them. Do you, Anthony? No, I just all I've really absorbed about them is that they shake containers of salad a lot. That's really all I know. <laughs> oh, all right. Anytime I see a clip or a gif of them, they're shaking a salad container. And that's all. <laughs> no, I don't know if they only did it. Maybe they only did it once, but it's a famous scene. But it seems yeah. like anytime I watch them, they're sort of saying snide remarks to each other while one shakes a salad. That's all I got. 
from my recollection, I think Kendall Jenner was the one that was in the Pepsi commercial. Oh, the Pepsi thing. Yeah, yeah and she's that. all like, oh, all of this, you know, civil unrest is happening with the riots, but it's okay because I have Pepsi and it'll right. solve everything. Enjoying the conversation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> well, let's get into it. We're here to talk about X-Men. We're doing X-Men Adjectiveless X-Men number 46, published November of 1995, written by Scott Lobdell, art by Andy Kubert, titled They're Back. And on the cover, we have a giant-sized X-Men homage. Love a giant-sized homage, yeah. They are popping out of that poster of the adult X-Men. What do we have popping out, Chandler? Well, the (laughs) X-Babies, of course. The totally unexpected return of the X-Babies. Yes. And we get little baby Cyclops, Bishop, Iceman, Archangel, Gambit, and Rogue. You know what I just noticed? Gambit's cards are not playing cards. They're actually flash cards to so learn your addition and multiplication. I love it. That's I'm also adorable. obsessed with ro- little baby Rogue, who I think is called Sugar, but they call mm-hmm. her. Uh, her little pigtails are so adorable here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, babies in comics, historically and infamously, not always the best rendered, but I think that Hubert does a really good job with making them cute here. Like little Bishop, so cute. I know. Yeah, and the, the, the adult X-Men we see are Gambit, Archangel, Cyclops, Iceman, and Jean Grey. We don't get a bait ex-baby of Jean Grey, but she is going to be featured in this book. We'll get into that later. Uh, so on the front inside cover, we have our very first ad alert. <laughs> now, as, as an honorary, your first ad alert, please tell us what you see in this ad. I, I see a very distressing kind of, there's a very, a lot of font choices are being made by a Clearasil ad that I guess is giving me like the subjective German expressionist experience of having a pimple Uh, (laughs) where there's like this red swollen I don't know what I would call it wound out of which a bunch of text has sort of emerged in a spiral Uh, do you want me to read this truly insane text that is happening go for it because it it sounds like fully like the manifesto of a serial killer um so as I'm reading this, you should assume that the fonts are constantly oscillating and reversing and changing. <laughs> Everything's out of whack, completely off kilter. Evil blackhead armies erupt without warning. Take me as a hostage, then laugh even harder and multiply. Well, die, you zombie zit invaders. Die because I have a secret weapon which is mightier than you, which cleans. Sorry, the spiral is very difficult to read, which cleans way down deep with more killer stuff than the number one pad to blast you into the next galaxy. And which, in fact, is this wicked little pad from Clearasil. And then there's a Clearasil pad at the center of this murder spiral. It's a lot. Wow. A lot of choices were made. I'm not sure the copyist. I'm (laughs) afraid. (laughs) It's scary. (laughs) It makes acne like this horrific experience that you gotta like battle against. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like the victim of this acne maybe has other issues that are not being processed, you know? Yeah. And they're just, (laughs) they're just, you know, turning all their problems on their acne problems. And really they need to look deeper. It's more than just the surface. Yeah, this is giving me like a serial, like a Stephen King 
troubled teen kind of moment. Like this is a bad guy from the stand kind of situation for sure. Yeah, I feel, <laughs> I feel like the uh, guy who resonates with his Clarisel ad probably listens to heavy metal music. I don't know yes. why, I just have a flash of that in my head. Like, we're gonna kill our seeds. Yeah, kill those seeds. Were you, I was an oxy boy back in the day. I was clear cell. You were clear cell? Definitely, do not remember these ads, but definitely remember the experience of looking at a clear cell pad after using it and being like, that's disgusting. So yeah, for sure. Stridex, any Stridex yeah. listeners out there? The burning makes it know, <laughs> makes you know it's working. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you um, got so it on your clothes, I remember it would like bleach. Like it literally just had like, it was probably just like hydrogen peroxide as all these Clearasil things were. Um, oh, it, I should note that this is the double textured pad for Clearasil in case uh, anyone's buying this off eBay. <laughs> um, just Are they another... still around? Do kids still do that? I wonder, actually. I don't know. I'm sure surely the formulas have improved, treatment. but I'm sure they just now it's like a pill, and you know, right. you just take like a little tiny pill, and then it's all gone. And they don't have to yeah. deal with all of the topical creams, and <laughs> right? The pads. In 20 years, there's going to be textbooks that are just like back then. They used to just rub bleach on their faces. So, <laughs> <laughs> so true. So <laughs> archaic. <laughs> oh my god. And, but the, I just want to laugh, offer one other opinion because you said this looks like a gaping wound. I think this is supposed to be a t-shirt and the circle is supposed to represent a head. Yeah, oh my God, you might be right. I thought it was like a freshly burst zit. <gasps> <gasps> oh no, now I can't unsee it. Oh wow. Oh, I see it now. I see it. Wow. I Art thought it was just like an, ang yeah. <laughs> I thought it was an angry wound, but maybe you're right. Okay, I got one more, okay? It looks kind of like one of those Among Us people like on the side and just looking up at this circle above them. Yeah, oh I yeah. I say that because uh, we have an Among Us uh, figure right here. Oh yeah, I, I'm really bad at playing that game. I'm very bad at being at subterfuge. I just kill someone immediately every time. Oh yeah. In front of six witnesses <laughs> Here, here's my uh way i play i like to team up with somebody that i think is not the killer and just follow them around because i'm less likely to be killed if i'm with a buddy right the buddy system yeah i need to i need to work on i'm not good at games where i have to be suspicious uh, it's not a good i get nervous i'm a very anxious person <laughs> <laughs> um well getting into the story we see the very first page we have gambit and bishop standing outside of a seedy alleyway and it looks like mm -hmm. they are trying to get into uh, something most likely an underground club and they're dressed very dapper i must say gambit is actually in a suit he is, but I love how he can't button his shirt. He cannot be bothered. I know he's in his scraggly hair. He, <laughs> he's he really is. working for me. I have to say, like the oh. gambit, it it the it's a very ill-fitting, but in very attractive ways. It kind of has a louch, kind of '90s Johnny Depp kind of feel to it, right? Like, first of all, I would not put him in a brown suit, but he's rocking it. He has a little flower gold brooch on his his uh, lapel, which again, like surprised that that works like there's a cool the fit of the back is really nice i like it 10 out of 10 on this look i think oh right Good. bishops is a little bit of a choice <laughs> yeah he's a bit more uptight and he's like wearing what looks like a tuxedo shirt with a with a red leather jacket 
and leather gloves and then black dress pants and then like a Chelsea boots. And I don't know, there, there's, yeah, there's definitely some choices going on here. I just, I don't understand what the material is. If I had a better sense of what those pants were made of maybe, cause they're quite clingy. They don't read like Gambit's clothes. Are they, then again, he's from the future. So maybe he knows about fabrics that we don't know about yet. Perhaps, yeah. <laughs> No, they definitely like he's a he's a thick boy. So I think like, you know, the pants are just what they could find in the mansion. They're like, well, I'll try to finish this like lobster pants. Oh dear. Right. <laughs> and why yeah, is he wearing sunglasses at night? Well, he's so cool. <laughs> so on the next page, we see that a mysterious eyeball has Schlatanged. <laughs> that's quite that's quite an onomatopoeia. Well, the guy that has the mysterious eyeball decides to open the little metal slat so that he can peep out and see who is rap rap rapping on the door. And the little metal grate opens up with the schlatang. Yes. And he says, uh, yeah, do you uh Mr. LeBeau <laughs> or Ms. LeBeau? Monsieur, yeah, he knows Monsieur. enough about Gambit to give him a proper French title. That's nice. Ooh, yes. Gambit <laughs> in the flesh in looking forward to a night of women, wine, and wagering. Well, that, that, that was a little too hard on the French. A little less on the <laughs> I liked it. But, but Chandler's still the better Gambit. He turns up his, he turns up, no, I know. He, he would say, well, how, would, how would we do Gambit? In the flesh. No, I can't do it. And uh, no, we'll, we'll just. All right, it's all coming out Ratatouille. Man. I know. Sorry, <laughs> I just watched Ratatouille, the TikTok musical, and I think that is kind of throwing me off. I think that Gambit is better when he is written like a bad. Like I think that anyone who speaks to Gambit should be like, "Is this guy pretending to have a French accent?" Like I always find it funnier when he seems to be kind of clowning. He's very charming in this issue. Like, look at how cute he is smiling with his arms up there. Yes. Yeah. Well, they decide to let him in and all those goons are behind the door and they pull up their guns and they're pointing them at Bishop. They're, they're guarding the pat down because right now one of these guys is given a full on pat down mm. to Gambit and he has his arms up in the air. He yeah, looks he's like smiling. he's kind of enjoying it. <laughs> all that chest hair blowing in the breeze. Love it. Yeah. Such a good is. fit. Unbuttoned to the navel. God bless. And it looks like there's like a thing of toxic waste in the background. It's one of those like iron, uh, <laughs> what are they called? It was the 90s. We had those toxic barrel. waste was bar- everywhere. An iron barrel, yeah. <laughs> it's like, don't fall on it because if you come back out, you'll be the Joker. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love this blur effect on the gun pointed at Bishop. That's really neat. That must be coming from the colorists, the Malibu hues. Mm. We're in the early 90s. So there's a lot of like tech, like this is, this is the first computer lettering happening. Mm. Colors are being handled by tech firms now. This is like when Marvel starts outsourcing all these things and they're doing all these weird, cool experiments like this blur effect. Yeah, I always think of these moments where we have big, so this is a, this is a double page splash page, everyone, but there's two insert panels that cover the double page. So what we see is, as we said, Gambit with his arms up in the air, these goons holding uh, guns up to Bishop asking for their weapons. But then there's one goon all the way to the left who is covered up by one of the panels. And I always think of them as like the extras that are in a movie that are just like, oh, you can't see me because I'm behind the panel. Like me in the Mariah Carey music video. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't He's definitely away. the least hot of the goons. Yeah, that he is. Guy. 
yeah. and editorially they're like you can cover that one up with that. <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, so we 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 move forward in the story. They basically say they don't trust Gambit and they don't trust Bishop, but Bishop flips a move on him. Oh yeah, because just like how you don't touch Storm's hair, Bishop does not like to get a pat down. No. No. He will beat you. He will beat you. Yeah. So right. he, he grabs the gun out of the goon's hands, flips it around on them, and they're like, okay, no problem. Head on in, gentlemen. I don't, think this, <laughs> I don't see that happening in real life, but sure, for comic sakes, let's do it. Right. <laughs> He's really stepping on that guy's face. He's really got him good. <laughs> uh, then they head inside and, ooh, boy. Oh, but it's... I must interrupt with an ad alert. Ooh, ad alert. alert. <laughs> because you can win a Boys to Men concert for your school, sponsored <gasps> by McWorld, would make Whoa. you the school hero. By Fox oh. Kids Network, Rock Your School. This could be you. And there's a little picture of a very 90s child jamming out at his school with boys to men playing. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe this. This is amazing. First of all, I would, if I was the kid that won something that brought boys to men to my school, I'd be the most popular, like on the planet. I think they should make a documentary about this. Like <laughs> what happened to those kids? Who won? Where are they now? How did that night change their lives? Do boys to men remember that night? Like I would watch a 90 minute doc about that experience. Available next week on Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. My sister was more of a boys to men fan, like mega fan. That new kids on the block, I feel like. Was that the same era with the new kids? Yeah. The new kids, yeah. The new kids would have been right before 95. I think we're in a window. Because Backstreet, what is Backstreet? Like 97? No, I think that was 2000s. No, Spice no, Girls are like, definitely like 97, 98. And like Spice World is like, the Spice Girls are like 97. So we're on the tail end of the, the formulation of boy bands, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. They definitely have the, the coordinated looks here in their white pants and red suspenders. Yes. And they've got like a white t-shirt that's been slashed and like purple undershirt. And, and some of them have big hats. <laughs> there's some, there's some hat, serious hatage going on. Yeah, and then the the drawing of the kids in school. Yeah, they've got backwards caps. They've got big baggy jeans. It is the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> the little uh, title on or the text that's on the far left features a dude dancing, which I'm assuming he says, "Hey, it could happen." <laughs> right. right, because the they're trying to convince you to go to McDonald's get some mcdonald's and fill out this form so that you can win a boys to men concert for your school and 500 others will win a boys to men home video which i also would like to see very much <laughs> <laughs> do you this remember any songs well yeah it's um the oh god what's the name of it but it's close your eyes yeah make make a wish, wish and blow out a candle, candle light. something because tonight uh, is the night uh, that yeah. scan doesn't work on that <laughs> uh, i'll make love, love to yeah that's yes! right yeah. <laughs> there's that great bit in kimmy schmidt where he starts singing that at a funeral not realizing which song it is till he hits the chorus <laughs> <laughs> There's also the video before, there's the scene where uh, Kurt Cobain is watching it in the Gus Van Sant movie. He's watching the Boys to Men video, then it shows like the whole video. I always think of that whenever I think of Boys to Men. 
Uh, yeah, I definitely, so in, in the Minnesota where I grew up, uh, the hit radio station was called KDWB. And so I would listen to 101.3 KDWB and we would love it every time Boys to Men would come on the radio. So I, I, I actually, I was just a big fan of everything. And like I said <laughs> at the beginning, I just was like fanning out over everything. Tightest harmonies in the biz. Yeah, That's who was doing it like that? Yeah. That is right. <laughs> So now we are back in this nightclub speakeasy, and boy, is it a party. Yeah, this looks like a place that I would love to go because I love gambling. I think that looks fun. I also love go-go <laughs> dancers. That looks fun. I love She's bar. having a ball, that, yeah. that dancer. She's yeah. just, I, love I don't know ball. what move she's performing, but she's giving it all. <laughs> I love the fringe on her panties. Like when she shakes yeah. her hips, it probably flies everywhere. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so who, who do you think these people are? Because there's a lot of extras here. There are. Like, what is their story? Do you have a favorite extra? I personally like this uh, woman in the front who is staring at the craps table intensely. And she has short white hair. Oh, yes. You know, she kind of reminds look, me of yeah. like Selena Kyle Catwoman, but as an older you know oh yes yes for sure i like the guy next to her covering his face with money yeah he's, he's not like, having a good no! time <laughs> um the big fella in the yellow plaid suit that's a great look yes sure. um i'm obsessed with in the next panel this waitress named capri which i have never heard as a human name but i'm immediately naming my first child capri because that's yeah. perfect <laughs> who clearly has some kind of history with gambit um and is wearing her like her top is like tied into a knot on her chest, which is amazing. She has this gorgeous bangle. She's just like my hero. I'm obsessed I, with her. She is 1995. She yes, is, she is the uh, moment. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, like, she's she's um she has kind of a pre coyote ugly of la letra kind of moment happening here for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and so the Gambit and Bishop, they walk up to the bar to talk to Capri. And what does Gambit order? <laughs> this is Chris's favorite drink, by the way. The usual? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Well, what does Bishop order? Sorry. Oh, Dr. Pepper. Yes. <laughs> I I literally saw that and I screenshotted it and I texted it right away to Chandler because Dr. Pepper is my favorite soft drink of all time. It's good. I don't know what do we have we ever formulated what's in there? What is that flavor? No, they won't reveal. Ah, sneaky. Yes, Dr. Maybe Pepper. Bishop knows. He's from the future. What's crazy? Yeah, <laughs> Dr. Pepper is its own company. It's not owned by Coca-Cola or Pepsi Cola or anything like that. They're their own entity. Really? Yes. And during the pandemic, there was threat of uh, Dr. Pepper shortage due, due to the plants having to like slow down or shut down. And I remember wow. all the Dr. Pepper fanatics were like, no, yeah. this can't <laughs> happen. I, I was one of them. I bought three cases and one of them was cherry Dr. Pepper. And they said, this one, this one I will like keep the longest. And on the day the nuclear bombs drop, I'm going just... to drink my Dr. Cherry, <laughs> Dr. Pepper Cherry. Oh, they never just drink a case. Yeah, drink a month a later they were gone because I they have no willpower. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but oh, you know what? They, they came out with a new one lately. Uh, that's called Dr. Pepper Cream. Yes. Ooh, I like oh, it. Oh, I love it. Mm. What, what's your favorite soft drink, Anthony? Yeah, I like a Dr. Pepper. Lately, I've been, because I'm getting older, uh, lately I've been drinking, I feel like I've matured into understanding root beer, which was not a thing I enjoyed as a kid. Ooh, but now that. I'm like, oh, like there's a complexity here that I enjoy. 
<laughs> but Dr. Pepper's a fave for sure. Yeah. And interesting uh, character choice for Bishop. Yes. Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't think he would be familiar with Dr. Pepper, but apparently this is an ongoing thing. He he only orders Dr. Peppers when he's out. So this is like a plot thing for him. This is like yeah. a, a oh. I was he I has was... he has a very cop thing that's starting to happen in the comics, right? Like they're picking yeah. up that like bishop as cop thing he's also like we're in the aftermath of the age of apocalypse here mm-hmm. so he's traumatized because he's the only one that kind of remembers it because mm-hmm. the only in reason the why they're of- out is because storm is right. like you need to get out of here right like, get out of the mansion <laughs> and go have fun with gambe he's gonna loosen you up with some wine and women <laughs> and some, some dr p it's yeah. some dr p, p. Yeah. you, you can have <laughs> bottomless dr pepper when you go out with gambe Come on, be lighting up. Let let what's let their hair down. We're supposed to be having fun. That's a crack to his new haircut <laughs> because right. he used to have a, the mullet leading all the way up to this issue. This is this issue is when he rocks this kind of crop cut. He completely cut off all his hair because you know that's what we do after we face trauma. Yeah, we come yeah. back from an alternate future and then we're like, I need a new look. I, I think oh, he, I, his I like head was shaved in the age of apocalypse. Like he had a full shaved head. Yes. Yeah. So maybe it carried over. Or I don't know. I don't know how the mechanics of that one work. No, would it? I don't know. No, I don't think he physically <laughs> is the same gambit that was in Age of Apocalypse. Or was he? The same. Well, he was in the blast because he talks about being in Israel. He was there when Legion yes. kills Xavier. And I think that that's the hook that makes it so that he can remember. Because in the Age of Apocalypse, he remembers our world. Well, 616. And now he remembers the Age of Apocalypse. I don't know. I th- at first, I thought it was a crack about his hairline receding, but I guess it's not. No, no. Because <laughs> that lady in the next panel is touching his head. Yes. Which is... <laughs> and he's like, get me out of here. Right. Um, and then on the next page, halfway uh, or half a city away, we basically come across a Barnes and Noble of sorts. And Jean Grey is on the ground looking at books because she's trying to find a gift for her niece and nephew. First of all, Jean, no kid wants books. You're already <laughs> losing. Like, what kind of aunt? I mean, sorry. Except my aunt, Aunt Julie, thank you for the books. I oh my books. God, you're so rude. <laughs> what aunt? Does your aunt listen to your oh X-Men my- podcast? No, I hope not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. She just can't wait for the weekly drop. <laughs> when I'm, her nieces and nephews, which we saw in the wedding issue, are young. They're like probably seven, eight. Right. I would not be getting seven, eight-year-olds books. For the record, I have a niece and a nephew, and they're going into the second and third grade now. They just graduated, um, so they're out for the summer, but they are, they are super smart, and they love books. And I think because their generation, they grew up on things like Little Einsteins, very educational, right. very emotionally intelligent cartoons, whereas we grew up on... My Ninja, Ninja Turtles, Turtles. yeah, Ninja yeah. Turtles, right? Rainbow Rainbow toy commercials disguised yeah, as He Man. It was basically <laughs> X Men. They were all like flashy commercials with no uh, educational value in order to make right. buy all of the cereals and the action figures. And guess what? I did. <laughs> so, so did I. <laughs> but so I'm gonna I'm gonna fight you back on that. And I'm gonna say like there are kids today that do love to read books. So Jean, you are yeah. an amazing aunt. Okay. She would absolutely be that aunt though too, right? Like she is the kind of the aunt who gets you books. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right. Well, I love books. I want to look at some of these books that she's picked up. Oh, what so do we have? We've got some of them are not less 
some of them are less good for children. I would not give a child the Jungle Book anymore. For no, probably not. So dinosaurs, oh, Treasure Island. Uh, Treasure Island, I don't think is a good children's book. Maybe it is. Not Potty. anymore, yeah. No, there's something cool called books happening here. Potty, Potty Bock? The Potty Book, sure. Potty yeah. Book, oh, I see, yes. Oh my gosh, do you remember there was like everybody poops? Oh yeah, yeah. So did yeah. you have that book? I did not. My, as we talked about, my family would prefer that not everybody poops. Like, <laughs> oh, and there's a sign of sin, and we don't do that. There's and if you do, do that, you're in trouble. Bam. Green eggs and ham. Bam. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of very careful, like the Barnes and Noble is like Farms and Goble, I think it says. Yeah. So there's a lot of carefully towing around copyright happening. These kids are really going for it. It's weird to see. Remember when Bards and Noble was like this? Like you could get a coffee and sit at a table for hours. Like it's very, you've got mail, the kind of energy that we're seeing here, a kind of store that no longer exists. Uh, I want to comment on Jean's dress. It's yeah. beautiful. It's very yeah. book ant. <laughs> it's very tight. It is it's very, very, it is very snug. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand what's happening with her boobs and her bra situation. I feel like I need some sort of person that understands the construction of bras and dresses to be like, your boobs can't do this in a dress. Well, in the artist's defense, she is wearing a handbag and the strap oh, is kind of cutting into the right. I see. front I missed... there to, you know, accentuate the bosom. I see. I and, see. and for some reason, she has like really long legs. <laughs> Like yes. really long legs. The femur bone <laughs> is gigantic. Like I don't want to go up against her and track and field, you know, when you're jumping over right. the hurdles. Because she it win. was the '90s. I mean, the imagination of women's bodies is very strange, but I admire the the um, ambition of this pattern on the dress. The like the roses on the garment. Mm -hmm. That's gorgeous. Like that's a commitment because you got to draw that a lot. This issue. Yeah, no kidding. So these are, we're looking at giant oversized rose print, red roses on a blue background print dress for Jean. It's a sleeveless uh, kind of summer dress thing, which by the way, I have a really funny comment. So somebody, you know, there has been lots of controversy over Jean's green dress for Marvel. The Girl. mini dress. Yes, yeah. on, on Twitter, especially currently at this very moment. However, somebody said a comment about you know, jean skirt onesie. I don't know what I think about it. And my friend is like, do you need a dress? <laughs> What's a skirt onesie? <laughs> anyway, so just thought, I was just like, you know, like like a, a long sleeve puffer vest, AKA a jacket. <laughs> we got to sell this onesie now and market it. It is a, it is a dress a that she's, onesie. yeah. I had not noticed the length of her thighs, but were they, a, human length of thigh that would still be a, a long garment like she could properly float in this without without any trouble i think yes absolutely so this next panel i had to point out because there are certain signs of people being gay like chandler when we were younger they used to say the puka shells puka shells were a giveaway yes. was the dead giveaway well this panel features one of those little flags that you can kind of put up and say, oh, remember when he said this? This is a sign. Totally, totally. Yeah, so he uh, brings some hot beverages for Jean. He says Earl Grey for Miss Grey Summers. 
Thanks, Bobby. What did you get yourself? Would you believe iced coffee? Oh. <laughs> and we know the gays love their iced coffee. They cannot be seen with a hot coffee. At all. Do we have any theory as to why that is? I am myself an iced coffee drinker. I have one every morning. But I don't understand why it is that seems it's because like... we're gay. I know <laughs> what we do. We need, <laughs> like... we need Rob Rob Anderson to give a gay science lesson on, on <laughs> iced coffee. What, what's his handle? Heartthrob Anderson. Anderson. Yes. Shout out. Right. Yeah, he does. He does these Instagram videos called Gay Science, where he breaks down the scientific reasons on why gay men like iced coffee. And I think he actually did an episode on this, but or he might have just made a meme about it. Either way. Oh, it's it's I'm, something I'm, I'm happy to hear someone is doing that important research that's good yeah. to hear <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and if the red flags didn't go off for you here i think the next panel on the next page definitely does that for you yes. oh yeah discover he... now this is honestly this panel is the moment where i was like this is the issue i wanted to talk about <laughs> because <laughs> Because the content, both the dialogue and the thought bubbles and the image of this panel are so burned in my brain from the age of 11 till the present mm -hmm. of Bobby Drake in what I think is a baggy leather jacket and these purple pants that are somehow too tight and too baggy. <laughs> High-waisted baggy maroon pants with a wallet chain and these yellow and black sneakers, thinking about how hard it's gonna to be to talk to Jean about whatever it is that Bobby has to talk to about with her. Yeah, I totally agree with you. This, this, this panel really stood out. We'll, we'll read it out for everybody. So I'll be Bobby and Chris can be Jean. Would you believe iced coffee? At least that's what it is now, as usual. And then he thinks, I don't get this. As Iceman and Phoenix, Jean and I have fought side by side as X-Men since since puberty anyway for me so why when i feel like i need her help i can't just ask and jean's on the floor still flipping through books and she replies before i forget bobby thanks again for coming shopping scott hates 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 the whole process and bobby says all guys do genie it's biological oh but no he's just what he really should have said is i like shopping <laughs> right i'm not like all men oh there's more books on the shelves to look at we have black beauty uh, there's a book on ships oh my god something goodness. called steam floor. shovel steam shovel <laughs> and bobby is pulling a book called antarctica mm -hmm. on a shelf and gazing at his frozen coffee i guess mm -hmm. yes and gene is not using a coaster she is being rude she, and so rude hot cup of Earl Grey tea right on top of a book of Robin Hood. Oh, rude. Rude. This rude. is why we can't have nice things like these huge architecturally beautiful barns and nobles where we can just browse because people like Jean ruin the books. There's wastage and they shut down. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Bobby goes on just being like, well, Jean, can you just read my mind and kind of get what I need? And she's just like, no way. <laughs> like, this is not how it works. Yeah. She's and it's one of those classic Andy Kubert close-ups. I'm obsessed with these. Even as a kid, I was clocking them where you're much too close to their eyes. All the time he does this. And it's like, it says so much. Like if this had been a normal panel of Jean where she just said, Bobby Drake, I have no idea what you're talking about. Finishing a sentence might be a good place to start though. You'd be like, okay, she's just waiting for him to say whatever he's gonna say. But because the panel is so close and almost sinister, 
you kind of get the sense throughout the scene that she does actually know everything about what it is he's trying to say. Like that's yeah. always been my impression is like, she's making him say the thing for the sake of saying it and pretending she doesn't know is oh. always been the way I read it. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, she's holding literal tea. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she actually has a mug of tea and this is straight on meme worthy. To be yeah. like, she's like, spill the fucking tea, Bobby. I'm ready. Full side eye. <laughs> Gorgeous manicured nails, by the way. Oh, yes. Marvelous. Very Bobby. 90s shade. <laughs> Bobby's like, oh, I just figured, I guess, I mean, you know, um, being a telepath and all, you just sort of, I don't know, uh, just a no. And then no? Jean, for some reason, just breaks out into some Harley Quinn laughter. <laughs> like it's huge rude though rude he's trying he's essentially trying to come out to you gene and you're just cackling at him. yeah and then she explains bobby i dampen my side powers the same way you control your ice powers it's not as if my mind is some sort of 7-eleven open all night people thoughts coming and going every waking moment i go crazy Ooh, and then we see some shadowy figures staring at them. And it, what is it? What do they say? They say, Psst, "Look." Oh yeah, they say, at "Look at what them, which them, the X them. <laughs> These two are the X Men." Duh, I knew that. Ooh, it's so mysterious. Ooh, and it says Chris in the corner. I know, I was about to say, I make an appearance, you guys. There is a book <laughs> all about me in the X-Men universe, and there is my name in the right-hand corner Ugh. underneath Stephen J., whoever that is. And they continue just to kind of pratter back and forth. Did not, did two, did not, two, not. And uh, then apparently, I guess... Gene and Bobby leave because we move on. No, to no, no. I want to talk about more books. Oh, okay. Because now we got the Grim Fairy Tales. We got a travel book. Yes. A Christmas Carol mm -hmm. and a Little Mermaid. Oh, yes. Oh, and we also have a creepy hand reaching out. Where's this hand from? And all the and the eyeballs behind it. Yeah, and and <laughs> this figure fits in that shelf. So this is a small little person. And we have a little boy who's looking around the corner with an exclamation point and a question mark, being like, <laughs> "It's it's also worth noting that." although it is mysterious who these people might be, even though we've all seen the cover of this issue, uh, one of the speakers is speaking in the Iceman font. So <laughs> <laughs> that cool new, I was obsessed when they started using, because again, it's like they're finally um, lettering in digital so they can do these kind of weirder font bubbles. And I love this, like the crispy icy font, the, mm -hmm. the word bubbles they're using for Lil Iceman, spoilers. Oh. <laughs> And note how neat it is, I mean, considering how history has unfurled for us, that this scene of Iceman trying to come out is interrupted by a younger Iceman, which is like parallels how he actually ended up coming out. No kidding. So now this is something interesting to happen inside of an X-Men comic book. We have an interlude. Ooh. Ooh, let's <laughs> insert some interlude music. Oh, sure. So it's a farmhouse, quiet, simple, almost nondescript. But closer, it's clearly something more crowded, busy, almost ominous. And look at all of these people coming, walking towards, what are they walking towards, Chandler? Well, they're walking towards a phone because apparently uh, Senator <laughs> Kelly was on the phone with somebody at this underground 
nondescript farm and their conversation was cut short and so that you know where somebody else on the other line went dead so he's like you need to go and find out what happened and look at he has snoopy on his desk oh my gosh i see it now i did not notice that the first read through what a good catch with your eye you did there (laughs) little snoop Snoop. so anyways they go they they determine that the the structure is empty there is no sign of struggle there's no damage whatsoever they can't figure out what's going on but there is one word flashing over and over and over on all the screens anthony what's the word (gasps) it's onslaught what who or what is onslaught (laughs) this is weirdly the most badass senator kelly has ever looked like i don't know to have him wearing a lot of armor in the past but here he is in his spectacles in this helmet trying to figure out the mystery of onslaught which i don't know if the writers had yet decided (laughs) i don't think they had any idea I just got to say, I am sad for those uneaten donuts. Yes. Yeah. They, they just look so lonely there and they need to be in my tummy. Yeah. But let's not feel too bad for these people because they were building Sentinels. So, That's true. So oh, yeah. Okay. For them. They don't deserve the donut. <laughs> they don't deserve yeah. the donut. Uh, we're back in New York City with Bishop and Gambit and we still have the go-go dancer flailing her tassels all oh, over the yeah. place. Oh yeah, she reminds me of Charo going, coochie, coochie, coo. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, Charo like retweeted me or re, she shared my story. Really? Yes. Charo. <laughs> Do you know who Charo is? Andrew? Yes, of course. Charo. Yeah. I just love her. You guys need to follow Charo on social media because she is just a ray of sunshine in your life every single day. Um, shout out i will um so we're at the bar these bar taps one's called black dog and one's called bob beer i'm gonna go for the bob beer i i guess i'll try black dog but i just want to say like (laughs) how lazy is that bob beer surprising considering how much detail the books went into like yeah maybe bob is just like not a good brewer (laughs) so yeah bishop is uncomfortable he wants to get out of here He's and on his fourth Dr. Pepper for sure. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's on a sugar high, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Caffeine high. And they have a little heart to heart because basically, you know, Bishop is a little rubbed raw on Gambit because of the whole uh, Days of Future Past kind of storyline of, um, I guess, it's, wait, what future is, is he from Days of Future Past? No. Ever? He's, oh, he's not, he's from a different timeline, but different timeline. But, but in his world, the witness, so they're doing all this work in this issue to reestablish this plot line because it'll matter in the onslaught story, right? So mm-hmm. Bishop, when he came back from the future, spoke to someone called the witness, who was the last X Man to see them, who was widely suspected to be the traitor and who he thought was Gambit because he's also called Lobo. So they have to reestablish that Bishop doesn't trust Gambit and they want to establish that Gambit has had some character growth because he's into Rogue because right before the Age of Apocalypse, they finally kissed. But because they came back a minute later, he went into a coma. (laughs) So so they're different people now and they just want to remind you that Bishop is in the present trying to find the X-Men's traitor because they want to give you the red herring that it's Gambit again. Right. Yeah, so we're just getting a lot of re-exposition. We learned this earlier. We're getting back into it for new readers. And they are basically just trying to re... uh, Bishop's trying to explain himself and Remy's trying to defend himself. And we are just getting a lot of information. But what happens is there's a ruckus down on the floor. (laughs) Because this guy 
who honestly looks like Hank McCoy when he wasn't Beast or when he when he wasn't Blue Beast. Anyways, he's pointing at the girl that he came with, saying that she's ruining his luck because he was playing footsie with him underneath the table. And she's like, I don't oh, know what you're talking about. I wasn't playing footsies with you. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, but uh, I have to interrupt with another ad alert. Ad alert! <laughs> this is a two-fold spread, a two-pager that is a lot of white space. On this. Yeah, I mean, really, what is the point of buying all this advertising space if you're just going to have cobwebs all over it. So guess who's <laughs> swinging into town with uh, Spider-Man and secret villain peel-outs? Oh, it's Brute Roll-Ups. Strawberry. Roll everyone's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> now, I I love Fruit Roll-Ups and especially when you had the cutouts. That was a oh, lot of fun. Yeah. That was the best. <laughs> Again, very, a very 90s experience of being like, here's some pressed sugar. Go play with it. <laughs> and it's branded with your favorite guy, Dr. Octopus. <laughs> and it's the ripped Dr. Octopus from the cartoon, right? Like that's the one where he's the only Dr. Octopus I think that has ever had abs. Probably. Um, yeah. The Good cartoon. Like, Were you guys a fan of that cartoon? I love that thing. Oh yeah. I don't Back know. In the day. I watched the 90s Spider-Man cartoon because I just oh. was like, I was like X-Men or Bust. But no, they did I, a crossover I, even. There was an episode where the X the 90s X-Men go to the Spider-Man. It's all the voice actors and everything. Really? You didn't know yeah. this, I didn't know this. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you gotta go back and watch it. I think it's during the Neogenic Nightmare, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm. Yeah, it's good. I mean, that cartoon had its moment. It had like Mark Hamill plays Hobgoblin in it. Greg wow. Brady is Peter Parker <laughs> from the, <laughs> the Brady Bunch. <laughs> So really, really quickly, I want to mention about the spider webs because that's heavily featured in this ad. Disneyland California Adventure now has Spider-Man web shooters that are interactive with the ride. Whoa. Whoa. So you can shoot the little Like you again. get webbed? <laughs> like they web you on the roller coaster? No, 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 no. Oh, it's all electronic. <laughs> it's all electronic. Oh, it's kind of like okay. the Buzz Lightyear blasters, but really it's more to compete with the wizarding world of Harry Potter, oh, where yeah. they have the wands that interact with the different activations within the park. Right. Oh, I thought I'd be like on a roller coaster and get like a face full of webs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, you know, those uh, movie theater rides where it's like, you'll get wet. It's like, the last thing I want you to do is sit me in a chair and spray me with water from God knows what. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how we used to feel as kids, though. No, as kids, I like that. Oh, yeah. As kids, I was like, I want to get slimed on the Nickelodeon yeah. show. <laughs> there was a lot of slime, a lot of toxic waste, and a lot of slime in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so back with, with uh, Bishop and Gambit in the, in the club. So yeah, apparently there is a ruckus going on. Everybody's playing footsies with everybody yes. under the table, and everybody's getting accused. Yeah, and so we got all this drama happening. <clears throat> People are yelling at each other. They're like, I also felt something under the table. Let's flip this table over and see what's going on. Someone's playing games. I just like the joke, Augie, which the girl says, and the other guy says, "Where? I don't believe this, pal. You're grabbing my other leg. And oh. the other guy says, <laughs> You're out of your mind, buddy, but I am going to grab your finger if you keep poking it into my chest. <laughs> my Is finger. that a 
What is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's that old joke. <laughs> they threw that in there. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to add the toot sound effect in post. So yeah, they flip over the table and they, they, these guys have their guns drawn, chuck, chuck, clacks, uh, onomatopoeias, and they're like flabbergasted. They are wide-eyed. They're, they have the question mark, exclamation point. What? <laughs> now step out from under the, the table. What the? Oh, okay. And oh my gosh, go. this, this is it. <laughs> Underneath the table, we have revealed the X-Babies. There's Rogue and Angel and Cyclops and Gambit and Bishop. X-Men babies, they're here to save the day. <laughs> X-Men babies keep singing the same thing song. Anyways, um, <laughs> that's more thought than the writers of the Muppet Babies playing that song. <laughs> uh, and, Ro- okay, yes. this is where we start to we get to stretch our acting chops. Okay, okay. So who has the lisp here? Oh, who, I can do the, the lisp. lisp. You can do I can a lisp. Do, I can give you okay, a so You can be Cyclops. Yeah, you be Cyclops, right. Anthony. Okay. All right. You can be Rogue, and I'll just be the one-liner on Archangel. Rogue says, uh-oh, we're in trouble. Shh, Rogue. Ahem. Naturally, there is a reasonable explanation for all this. <laughs> um, hi. Oh, maybe if we had tell them who we is. Yeah, we're the... X babies, so there. <laughs> wow, you guys are good at this. No, Anthony, I'm impressed. Yes. You're the Cyclops for the rest of the issue. <laughs> They're so cute. These are such cute designs. I'm really like, they must have worked backwards from the fact that Qbert could do such a good job on them and be like, yeah, okay, let's give them a two-parter. <laughs> So, I also yeah. like that their roster seems to change every time. Like they always match the current X-Men, even though none of the other ones are ever established. Like suddenly there's a Gambit X-Baby and stuff. Yeah. And so they hold up guns to poor little Sykes' head. Ka-chunk. Yes, freaking muties. We should have guessed. And then she says, I don't know, Augie. I think they're kind of cute. Heck, they're certainly a lot smaller than they look on television. Please, sir, violence is not necessary. What did you say? I said violence is uncalled for unless it is a matter of self-preservation. Zach! <laughs> yeah, ours. Thanks for the backup, B. <laughs> Always, see. Yeah, and Cyclops <laughs> just zaps them into oblivion. And Bishop, they did a double whammy. <laughs> and we have a whap in the issue. And that's the sound effect for... <laughs> For a high five, by the way. Nowadays, <laughs> WAP means something, something different. totally different. <laughs> I'm not well, sure that they have connected here. This is not, I'm just a gay man, but this is not how a high five should end, is it? They've completely missed each other's hands. <laughs> That's true. Usually you're supposed to connect the hands. Yeah, yeah, yes. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, then the rest of the humans are like, all right, we better take these little X babies out. Yeah, plug them. And then Bishop charges up his energy and Remy says, where'd you get the extra bioenergy? I stored it. Where to hide, where'd you hide that bow staff? <laughs> don't ask if you don't want to know. Where uh, that, wait, <laughs> wait, pause. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not sure Canon has paid enough attention to this detail. <laughs> that Gambit apparently stores his bow staff somewhere within his person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, because he had the full pat down. 
Oh my gosh, right. he did. He had the full yeah. pat down and he's telling Bishop, you don't want to know where this staff came from. For yeah. the record, I have seen both staffs that come out of the size of a keychain mm. where they just, you shake it and it just comes out of both ends. Okay, but well. That's so a little dangerous. If he, if he dances a little too hard, then <laughs> his night is taking a Some people a might rough turn. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like on the count of three, why wait? And they leap over the banister and they are about to have a party. And I just like how Bishop is like, now listen up people, you have until the time we hit the floor to drop your weapons. But I mean like- that's They're on the second floor? <laughs> yeah, they went up the escalators into the balcony. So all the ladies were hanging out. Yeah. That's a short fall. And also Bishop is 100% landing on his face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I like I like his, his pointed toe. Yes, yeah. he's he is landing like a dancer, it's, and and uh, Gambit is doing this amazing flip off the balcony. I love it. Such a little stinker. I love him. <laughs> and then <laughs> back at whatever Barnes and Noble, yeah. I can't remember what it's Farns and Goble, I believe. And Goble. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the nicest sense of the word. So, you know, Bobby and Jean are still hanging out at the Barnes and Noble. They're reading their books. And I really love the lettering. Because as you were saying, you know, yeah, there's a lot of digital. So they're there. You could see a lot more fun things happening. Yeah. And he's basically asking Jean to go into his mind to see if Emma Frost is still in there. Because previously she had uh, taken possession of his body and made his ice powers go way beyond the limits of what he has ever tried before. And after she left his body, uh, he got very, very beat up about it. I feel like this is one of many panels where he talks about this after the fact to be like, this really messed me up. Yeah, yeah, so Jean, Jean is just like, let me try to like explain it to you a different way. So she picks up the magical omnibus, funny <laughs> word, instead of the magic school bus, and reads him the story, but telepathically changes it in his mind so that instead of the magic school bus, she's now he now sees Professor Xavier as the school bus driver mm-hmm. in his mind's eye. And basically explains the uh, story of when she first came to Professor Xavier as a patient to deal with her telepathy, right. how he helped build restraints within her or kind of helped her adapt to this new coming power. She even alters the little girl so that she's wearing the outfit that Jean is wearing in the first issue of X-Men. Where she's Good got the little callback. Little that is with the black hat and everything, little beret. And little blue outfit, yeah. Yeah, this story, this exchange is really odd to me because so she's he's like hey i have a secret can you read my mind and see if emma's still in there and then Jean tells the story that's like well maybe some things we shouldn't look into <laughs> like that's kind of what the message is of what she says is like when i joined the x-men i had to turn off the part of my mind that dealt with telepathy because i wasn't ready at that time similarly bobby you have always moved at your own pace i think that's truly admirable characteristic you possess and then on the next page, she's like, the future is blank. And I wonder if maybe, I don't know, but I wonder if maybe this was changed after the page was drawn. Because mm. like, why is that panel blank? And then why are they hugging is like a really odd beat. Like I've always wondered if maybe he was supposed to come out here and they had to change it, but I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, she seems to be drawing a parallel where it's like, if you push yourself too fast, you'll end up phoenixing. Mm. 
which is an odd thing to say. Well, I mean, for Bobby, though, he is Omega. Right. That's true. Yeah. And Emma really did some, that issue where Emma takes control of his body and is like immediately breathlessly talented with it is amazing. Yeah. You can see why he has like a real complex about it, right? Right. Totally. Yeah, so they, they hug it out and he says, hey, look out. And there's books that are flying on the sh- off of the shelf under their heads. He says, holy... Bobby, what in... <laughs> and then we have more ex-babies. We have Ice Boy, a.k.a. Iceman, and Storm. Storm, oh my gosh. A.k.a. Storm Shower is her, her then... ex-baby name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess I'll be Storm and you want to be Iceman? Sure. Okay. Oh, look, Ooh, what, look you what you did. did. <laughs> Me, by the godling, I'm innocent. No way. Way. Side storm, don't speak in contractions. This storm does. Can't. Can too. Can't. Can. <laughs> and then we get to our second interlude. Oh, interlude music. <laughs> Definitely dancing. <laughs> it's a quiet here, quiet and green. So different from the place he comes from, the place cold of cold metal and colder stars. Ooh, he remembers the fire, seeing it, but not feeling the heat. He recalls the planet fall. And a man of metal beside him? Is that possible? The most important memories of all, however, are denied him. Who is he? And how did he come to be here, where a young woman gardens humming a gentle tune? And then we have this like girl that's in a flowery dress, super tight, and she is bending over in a way that makes my back hurt. Yeah. <laughs> As I am sitting here, my back is spasming. It is also, making me sit up straighter for sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. She's wearing an Indiana Jones hat and uh, also a flower dress, uh, rose dress. And she's wearing gloves. Yes, because she's gardening. Well, yes, indeed. What is supposed to be happening? Is she hearing him? Is he in the barn? Is that? Yeah, I think he's in the barn hiding. She doesn't quite know he's in there. Yeah, he's peeking out, though, through the wood slats with his menacing eyeball. Yes. Right. These are the questions that plague the man once known as Magneto. Magneto. And the answers elude him. So you guys are pros. <laughs> we, we, uh, so for listeners who might not be familiar, so the fall of Avalon just happened. The, the asteroid M essentially up in the space, if everybody remembers, starts crashing to Earth. Uh, Colossus was an acolyte at the time. He helps protect Magneto as they, pl- they plunge to the Earth. And then mystery ensues. And now this is essentially the first time we're kind of seeing him from that planet fall in him a way. asterisk right because this asterisk. is actually this is actually joseph not yeah this is actually not <laughs> this is joseph so this is the first appearance of joseph and i gotta say i'm very into his ripped up skirt onesie <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look all sorts of sexy skirt and his, onesies. <laughs> this is like joseph has that amazing flowing mane of hair mm-hmm. like he's definitely got that sephiroth energy Yes. <laughs> and what's the up with beard? What's that? I think he has a weird foot. Is he laying down? Like, well, that's the thing. He... I can't tell if he is he sleeping in the barn. Like, yeah, what? he's like laying or sit, seated up, but we're looking at him from above, oh, and there's okay. like a lizard there, right. an iguana. Yeah. Sure, it's yeah, a very bachelo kind of weird close-up of an animal is not something I think of for Qbert. I think of that as a bachelor thing. Yeah. Shall we name him? Let's give him a name. The the the, the lizard. The lizard. Let's oh. name him, uh, Iggy. Iggy. Okay. Oh, that's Iggy. Good. 
So now that is the end of the interlude. We are back with the ex-babies inside of the club. And then we have Angel who says, wow. And Bishop pokes his head up and says, wow, squared. <laughs> and then Iceman gives, or Cyclops gives them a, you guys do good work. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh God. In a matter of speaking, perhaps. And then Gambit says, what a man is saying is that we ain't in the habit of slugging it out with working class Joes without knowing why's and we're fours. <laughs> oh, that's easy, sweetums. Hey. <laughs> oh, See, and then we're from this pocket dimension named the Mojoverse after the artist formerly known as Mojo. I know, he's former. I was there when he died. What's that got to do with anything? New regime, new policy, says Rogue. We used to be the world's biggest entertainment. Now we're just getting the axe, literally. Please help us. For the record, who's going to do the axing? And then Bishop points off, off panel. He says, I'm willing to take a wild stab in the dark. And who do we see but Gog and Magog? And they are here to cancel the ex-babies. Oh, no. Really personal, of course. It's strictly business. Oh. oh. And no. I love how canceling means to something totally different now. Because they're talking about like the right. ex-babies TV show and the mojo verse. Yeah. But nowadays you can cancel a person. Yes. Well, I think they're trying to cancel them as well. Yes. <laughs> they're trying to cancel their lives and their program. This is where that came from, actually. Yes, if you look up cancel in the OED, this is yeah, this and, and Magog is, is this like menacing monster with a mohawk, white hair, big giant teeth. He's got one of those big giant skulls as a belt buckle with a loincloth attached to it. Mm -hmm. Very chic, very chic. Yes, and then Gog, we now we have Anacenti on our show, and Anacenti created this character with Arthur Adams from the Longshot series. So we actually had a whole episode about Gog and Magog. He was also present as well. So if anybody's curious about that, to hear Anacenti talk about that, go back and listen to it. I want to say it's episode 44. So yeah, go on. He's back. really creepy in that story, that initial Longshot story. Like he's a scary presence here he's just kind of a goon <laughs> next issue x babies to the left of me x babies to the right here i am stuck in the middle with you stuck in the middle with you <laughs> okay and then on the last page we have our final ad alert now wow this is one of those relax your eyes and stare into this 3d image let's see if we can do it okay are we doing this in real time? Oh, I'm we're trying to. Here we go. <laughs> I can't. I think I, I think I need a direct a, a direct approach. Now I did this beforehand, so I know what I'm expecting to get. Yes. Well, what do you see? So it is a Jane Silent Bob Mallrats ad, and if you stare at this for long enough, it does become the Mallrats logo. Oh, um, I was just cool. starting to get there. Yeah. But this, I remember when I was a kid. This is part of a series. So sometimes you get a spaceship. Sometimes you'd get a, a boat. Um, so this is the only one that has the actual logo. But I was so young, I didn't get that this was a weed thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're so stoners. True. I just thought it was fun. <laughs> but I'm shocked to see it still puzzles. works. Yeah. Yeah. I, the magic eye. Yeah, they're so cool. Like, well, yeah, where you stare. I just I just was able to do it just now. It, I think you need- That like, fast? Wow. Yeah, you need a direct, a direct approach. 
Um, but yeah, anyways, I love Mallrats. It was one of my favorite movies in the 90s, for sure. Oh, yeah? Do you have any a, a favorite scene or yes. memory? Or well, when Jay sticks his hands in his pants and his butt and shakes hands with this person in order to pass along this smell and then gives him a snack so that he eats the hand smell or whatever. I just like, I don't know how to better describe it. They have, he has a word for it that I can't remember, but he literally sticks his hand all the way like into his butt basically. And then shakes somebody's hand <laughs> like, wow. like a mall security guard, you know, whatever the bad guy that we're all supposed to not like. I only remember there's a zip line moment in the finale where Jay has to, he's like, because he has like a Batman persona, right? That yeah. He dresses yeah. us sometimes. Batman. Right, right, of course. And I remember him shooting a zip line and then flying through the mall. That's all I really remember from this one. They all kind of blur in my head because like Ben Affleck's not in this one, right? No. Or is he? I don't know. Or is, no, no. He's the one that is like the love interest where they make out in the elevator, right? Him and, oh yeah, yeah, him yeah. And, uh, the chasing Amy girl. That's right. I can't remember. Wow. I wonder if these hold up. I wonder yeah. if I could watch these now. <laughs> oh yeah, I would like to see Mall Rats again. Actually, I, I would totally go back and and reexperience that. Today actually is coincidentally Jason Muse's birthday. Well, happy birthday, Jason! Yeah, Kevin Smith just posted a photo of him with Jason and Stan Lee to commemorate Jason's birthday and, and had a very cool message to him that was very heartfelt. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's nice to hear. He had a rough go of it for a while there. So I'm happy to hear he's doing okay. Gosh, he must be. We're all getting older, aren't we? Yes, <laughs> we, uh, that we are. <laughs> yeah, and Kevin Smith, his career is on fire right now. He's doing Masters of the Universe. That's going to be- Oh, awesome. I saw that trailer with the Bonnie Tyler, I Need a Hero, Jim so Steinman. Awesome. So awesome. The only song that would have been better if it would it would be if they had done that trailer to what's going on, the the four non-blondes. Yeah. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> Remember that video the internet? <laughs> the early days of the internet, which is like Prince Adam jamming out to that song. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Early YouTube stuff. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Okay. But I'll take it. It shows they at least know, at least someone in that editing room knows what tone people want from that cartoon. So that makes me happy. Yeah, absolutely. I have one more Kevin Smith story. Okay. So I worked for LA Comic Con mm -hmm. and last convention that we had, Kevin Smith came and he brought the outside of the Mart. What's the Mart called? Oh, yeah, yeah. The oh, What is that called? The clerk's thing? They, they work at some sort of store. I watched the cartoon and everything, and I don't remember. Okay, well, they brought the whole facade set out there, and they met with fans. And my friend, Puma Does Cosplay, look her up on Instagram, she was proposed to <laughs> at, in front of that, and uh, Kevin and Jason were involved. Wow. They, they were just sweet. like, and now you're, this guy has something to tell you. And in front of them, and they were cosplaying as these characters oh amazing while they were doing it and it was the most magical moment oh puma does cosplay if you look up onto her instagram you'll be able to see the video of her getting proposed to with kevin and jason i love that snoochies boochie <laughs> <laughs> i used to love the cartoon um i think there's only like six episodes or something but i remember one of the things i thought was the funniest most clever thing i'd ever seen 
is that again there's like only like six episodes but the second episode is a clip show where, where they get stuck in the convenience store freezer and it keeps doing like the standard clip show thing where it's like remember when but it would flash back to episodes that never existed that they just made up for the episode it was so good uh, again i wonder if that holds up but god bless clever <laughs> Well, Anthony, thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest on x Read podcast. Thank you for having me. This has been a joy. You two are a well-oiled machine. I wish I had someone who I could just make sound effects with without prepping in advance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I absolutely love your Cyclops. So one day you'll have to come back and do another X-Babies because I need more of baby Cyclops in my life. (laughs) I think it's just a bad Daffy Duck. The key is to be bad at doing Daffy, I think. Okay. (laughs) Cyclops. Good. (laughs) <laughs> he should talk like that in the regular books like that should be his thing now is cyclops talks like that yeah i love it i love it. i think <laughs> people would people would be much more endeared to him maybe <laughs> he had a list oh what a fun issue that was a fun issue i had a great time so great choice yeah what so give us like the one-liner why did you choose that issue i chose this issue because for the my project that I really wanted to do for the Marvel Pride story was to honor Iceman's history as a character who's been read so long is in the closet. And even though this scene is not one I touch on in that story, it is one of the moments I wanted to think about when I was writing it. Because I wanted to, like us, the fans like us who have been reading this character for 30, 40 years and been like, oh, I know his story even if they can't tell me what his story is. So I wanted to think about that history and sort of my project really was to like, how do I honor this character I've loved so much and who gave me the representation I needed when I was a kid, even if other people didn't realize that was the representation he was. Um, So that's why I wanted to do this one. It's been very close to my heart ever since I was 11. Oh, and where can people find you online? Like, what do you have coming up? Uh, you, I don't know when this drops, but, uh, Marvel Voices Pride is probably out and you can find my story there called Early Thought. It's an Iceman story. Um, otherwise, uh, anthonyolivera.com or you can find me on Twitter at Mia Koopa, which is a bad Latin slash Super Mario joke. (laughs) M-E-A-K-O-O-P-A. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much Thank for you. being on our show. Thank you for having me. This was such a, it was such a pleasure to meet both of you and particularly someone who was on set for Passions. I can't believe it. <laughs> Honor has been all mine. X-Reads is recorded in Los Angeles. Our theme music is provided by Hook Sounds. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast to be updated when new episodes appear every first and third Wednesday of the month. Follow us on social media at XReads Podcast. That's the letter X, R E A D S Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.